Rabbi Daniel Wolf, Tumah, Metaphysical Pollution or Halachic Construct. Hi, good afternoon. Um, the topic of the share is about uh, Tumah. Naturally, the, the share itself has a lot of, um, has a strict halachic angle, not halachic in halachal ma'aseh, but in a halach, very many halachot, it depends on Tumah. Uh, today we'll investigate it more in terms of Tanakh. I have a book, Munchat Torah, which is in sale in the lobby, which sort of deals with the same issue. I mean, I have one chapter which deals with the same issue from a halakhic viewpoint. So people that are interested uh, can buy the book. <laughs> okay, and read it. Okay. Um, there's, a, uh, there's this one uh, parak in Bereshit. That Danny Wilt, hi. Uh, there's one parak in Bereshit. Minchat Torah. Okay. So there's one parak. Let's read it together. This is after the revenge of Shechem's rape of Dina. The uh, Torah is Mitzavah Yaakov to Livnot Mizbeach. And he says, V'yitaharu. We're going to delve into the Pesukim later. Just there's one uh, terminology in the Rebbeinu B'chai that I'd like to sort of set up as ground rules. V'yitaharu. Limdecha katuv the the, the Torah has taught us ki ha'avon kari tum'ah. Sin is called tum'ah. V'chitev gilulei mitzrayim al titamu with the, I don't know, gilulei, the disgustedness, the, it means, it means the avadazar probably, maybe arayot. Umisha ozev ha'avon, nekret tahor, and the person that does tshuva and leaves sin is called tahor, shenemar, mikol chatotechem lefnei Hashem titaru. V'chitev hamat lanu et avon po'or, asherlo hitaharnu mimenu. V'david alavah sham katuv v'tichatenu be'ezov ateher. I will be, tichatenu means l'chatot. I shall be cleansed with the ezov. And here there's an interesting parallel. We're going to talk a bit about paraduma as we get on. Here, David HaMelech not only talks about tahara, not only uses the phrase of tahara, as a, a parable, as a mashal, to tshuva, he actually uses this rikat para aduma, this rikat mechatat, also as tshuva. Uchtev mechatatai tahareni. So tahara, Rabbi Nebuchadnezzar says, tuma not only means tuma like mate, mitzara, it also is used as a phrase in the mikra as tahara. Tuma sometimes refers, very often refers to sin, and so, conversely, one who avoids or repents sin is called tahor. So we have a lot of different meanings of the word tameh. We have sin and wrongdoing, something which should be vile or repulsive, shkatsimra tameim, behemotu tameot. And also we have other times when objects are described as being defiled or affected by sin. We have the land of Israel being called with mostly with Avodah occasionally with Ritzicha, uh, with murder. We have the Mikdash being Mitameh. We have the Sol being Mitameh. We have cases of even of the Seyar Nazir, the hair of the Nazir being Mitameh. All these kinds of phrases. We don't care about that today. I mean, we care about it, but we're not going to talk about it today. We, we, our focus here is on formal Halachic Tumah, which is divided into two categories. The sources of Tumah, the Avot, we won't go into all of them. First parak of Kalim, interesting list. Corpses, lepers, Mitzorah, Karian, Nevela, dead Shkatsim, dead Shratzim, only certain, certain of them. Zav, Zav, and people that have different kinds of emissions. Um, and then we also have byproducts, things that come in contact with these avot, which are in general called toledot. Okay. We have a very interesting kuzari. I have it uh, quoted the original on the source sheet. Uh, at first, he, the, he's asked about tum'ah. He has two sentences saying that, oh, maybe not, we're not so smart, we, maybe we can't understand God's will. And then he goes into this. It is possible that le- leprosy, Tame flows. 
which are the are really subcategories of corpses, because death is the ultimate destruction. He's saying, really, the main tame is is, de- is a dead person is a corpse. All these other things that are also tame, they're avota tuma, such as lepers and uh, zavziva, all the people that have tame because of emissions, they're really some kind of a subcategory of death because lepers, their limbs fall off, and uh, so on and so forth. Then he he expands it. There are those who feel heavy after seminal emissions. Sorry, that's got cut off. And it has been tested. He said that he tried it. That they're ruined by their touch, delicate objects such as pearls and wine. Someone who has relations... He just can't string pearls the same way. He touches pearls and they get dirty, as everyone has noticed. Um, but the, here the kuzari has an incredible, in the continuation, and most of us are affected by the closeness to the dead and graves after people come home from cemeteries. They're depressed and they don't feel, the, they don't feel quite right. And their souls are confused for a time after being in a house with a corpse. But those with crass dispositions are not affected. Uh, I'm not sure wh- exactly what he means with crass dispositions. Does he mean someone that's evil? Does he mean someone that picks his nose in public? I, I don't know exactly what he means. But there's some people that are gross, that are crass, that are not delicate individuals, that aren't affected by the mate. And uh, that, I don't know if he actually thinks they're not tame, but... That's what it is. Here the Kuzari, as we noticed, I think uh, takes a sort of, uh, and other, I have seen other articles that have um, emphasized that, that calls the, the dead or the corpse uh, aviavota tumah as the archetypical tumah. One has to note, and this is a not well-known thing, the phrase aviavota tumah is not in Chazal. Does not appear in, the, in Bavli or the Yushalmi. It doesn't appear in any Madrasha Halacha of Chazal. And this one article is this that he did a search in Barilan, and some of the Midrash, Midrashim are not Chazal, and he didn't know that. Some of the Midrashim are post Chazal, and he sort of got a little confused with that. Because anyhow, but anyhow, but it, there is no Midrash of Chazal that the word Aviyavota Tuma is used, and also not only. The, is it missed? There's lists of avota tumah. The phrase there also doesn't exist in the first uh, parak in Kelim. And the Rambam has several lists of all the avot and the Hakdama Pirshim Mishnayat. Never does he use this as a phrase, avi avota tumah. Best uh, intuition is that Rashi made up the phrase. Very interesting phrase. Um, a very interesting phrase, but it's not a Chazal phrase. The Kuzari seems to allude to it. Um, okay, uh, so that's far as the Kuzari. The Kuzari is an excellent example of someone that really views Tumah as, I mean, it's not even metaphysical in the Kuzari. It's actually physical. People, they ruin fine wine. They, they feel terrible when they come home. I don't think they feel, he thinks they feel depressed. They feel terrible. They're sick. They're physically incapacitated. It's, it, so there's definitely some kind of an expression of true physical almost trauma. One thing that I would like to investigate now is how is Tuma mentioned in Bereshit? How is it dealt with in Bereshit? My assumption is uh, there's different midrashim that take different positions, but my assumption basically is, and I think it's reasonable, if it's mentioned in Bereshit, if the avot kept tumah before the tzivoy, then we're talking about something real. If we see that it's to- if if it's totally absent from Bereshit, and we have different uh, allusions to the avot di- doing different uh, mitzvot. If we say that it's totally absent from Bereshit, then a very good explanation would be, well, Tumah doesn't really exist. It really is a halakha construct. It doesn't really exist a construct, and therefore it exists from when? From Sinai. 
beforehand it doesn't exist. The Torah, according to the Kuzari, Tumah exists. The Torah attached certain rules to it. But Tumah exists, so therefore the Avot also as moral and holy individuals would have been sensitive to it. If I say Tumah doesn't exist, but it's a halachic construct to inculcate certain values, to give us certain sensibilities, then before the commandments, they're totally irrelevant. So basically, if we find Tumah before our Sinai, then I, I think we have a good indication that we are talking about some metaphysical or even a stronger formulation, which the Kuzari had a kind of physical filth even. If there's no Tumah, then we're talking about a halakhic construct. So here is, I have a funny question. Where is Tumah not mentioned in Bresha? Well, I don't mean not mentioned a lot of Pesukim. But one, one place that the phrase Tumah could have been mentioned that is not mentioned, and in fact we can get to it in a second there, the word Tameh is only in one parak and not used in a different sense than what we're used to. We'll get to it in a second. The first time that it says Torah is by Noah. The Noah is commanded to take Behemot Torah ve'mina behema asher einana Torah. Now Chazal have this, it's not really an explanation, but they're bothered. What's this phrase? Asher einana Torah. And he says the Torah comes to tell you Musar and Needless to say, it's not quite a great explanation. The word Tameh appears other places, a lot of other places, in Vayikra. Uh, so, you can't say the word Tameh. It's not, it's not censored. So why here doesn't the Torah use Tameh? Here I think it's a very reasonable explanation, or I have a, it's a bit of a speculation, but I think it makes, I think it's very reasonable. What does Tahara mean for Noah? He can eat all animals. What does Torah mean? It means a behemoth that can be sacrificed. Those behemoth, he was he made a korban olah after the flood. So Torah means those animals which God will accept for sacrifice. What is the inverse? Well, okay, if I say something I can eat and something is trafe, then that's disgusting. Everyone is disgusted by, you know, the... We, we used to drive by Dahish in the olden days before the road, and they would have, you know, pigs hanging from the uh, thing. You know, disgusting, right? And the shuk, right? You can see, you know, now they're Muslims, so you don't see pigs. But, but it's disgusting. So that, that's disgusting. Everyone's disgusted by seafood, the curly things. And, you know, okay, that's disgusting. Because we don't eat it. It's murchak. That's what tameh means, to... Suspend. Something that you're not makriv, it's not really disgusting, it's just enatahura. It's not ra'ulahakrava, it's not proper for sacrifice, and therefore before dinetuma, before prohibitions of eating tray food, it doesn't make sense, it's not, it's not appropriate to say tahura and tmeya. So you say, what do you say? It's enatahura. That's my suggestion. The other place, the only time the Shoresh Tameh appears is really by Dina, it appears twice. What does it mean there? V'yakov shama ki timeh et Dina bito. So Uncle Caesar's phrase, desav, sav means really dirt, and that is the way Uncle always translates Tameh. Uh, I checked a lot of them. I hope I'm, I think it's all of them, but... Um, uh, so decide that it really becomes dirty. In Radak we have a different phrase, which is a little bit more ambiguous. Vinitmahi, she became Tameh, Shiniv Arel. So there it's some kind of element of, you know, not only disgust, but, but connected to some kind of chat, which sort of rings to the, that Rebbeinu B'chai that we mentioned, and Rebbeinu B'chai is really talking about uh, this parsha also. So uh, here also, does it mean Tamei? What does it mean? Is it just a barred phrase or not? It's hard to know. Right after then, Yaakov is commanded to build a mizbeach. Well, let's read it. Vayomer elim el Yaakov, kum alei beitel, v'shev sham. Go to Beit El, create a Mizbeach there, 
to God that has that that has visited you. V'yomer Yaakov el Beito v'etol asher lo asher imo hasiru et Elohei nechar shebetochem v'hitaharu v'hachalifu simlotechem. And Yaakov tells the people of his house, get rid of the Oved Avodazara that you have, become Tahor, v'chlifu simlotechem. Is this a process of hitaharut? Are these things Tamei? Hard to know. Let's see what the Mfarshim say. So on the one hand, the phrase hitaharu is definitely mentioned. Now about the phrase hachlafat smalot, changing of clothes. In a thousand, I don't know a thousand places, but in tens of places in Bayikra, we have clothes become Tameh. Certain individuals, now do they become Tameh, but their clothes become Tameh. Um, when the Torah says that they usually, they always say v'chibsu simlotechem v'chibsu bigdechem. So kibos, which Chazal took to mean tefillah, is mentioned. I didn't find the place where it says hachlafat smalot. But it does say smalot. So changing is tefillah. It's sort of similar, but not exactly. So let's see what the Mfarshim say. Okay, so Rashi says, Rashi connects this to the Psukim right before. They assume that Shimon and Levi, when they stole things from, they killed the people of Shechem and they stole the things, they also took, took Elohei Nechar. The Ramban here has an interesting discussion how they took it, whether the hell Elohei Nechar become, became mutter, didn't become mutter, uh, 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 slightly technical arguments for interesting for people learning of Avodah about when Avodah of Akam become Mutter, under what circumstances. So he has a discussion whether they were Mutter al or they weren't. But here they're Mitzavate, get rid of them in any case. V'itaharo me'avodah V'chlifu simlotechem sheme yesh b'yadchem My impression from Rashi, that he assumes the Tumantara here is Tumantara of Rabbeinu B'chai is Avonos. Get rid of Avodah change your clothes. You might have some bagadim that were used for Avodah And basically, it's a, if you want to build a Mizbeach, you have to get rid of Avodah You have to cleanse yourself. Um, so here, I think, I think Rashi is pretty clear that it's Pras of Tshuva, not Tahara. In the Psikta, we have a little bit different uh, approach. Vihi Taharu. We have learned you can become tar with an A for para. Why? Vodazara is not tame like a maid. It's tame kinida. There's a psukim in the beginning of Vodazara to that effect. We'll get into it. Oh, here it quotes, sorry. So here, the Psikta is saying it's real Tumah. What is the Tumah? And it's real Tara. It's Tumah Tavodah What's a little bit problematical with this pro- approach is that Avodah is not an Avotumah Midaraita. Avodah is Tameh, but just, according to the Sigyot of Avodah it's just Midarabanan, just a rabbinic approach. So it's not Tameh Midaraita, so it's a little bit odd that the Avod Davka would latch on to something that's really not Tameh Midaraita. This, interestingly enough, these Psukim are also quoted in the Rambam and the Mishnah Torah. Which Rambam Mishnah Torah is, uh, would, would be a halachic book. He quotes these Psukim as a remez, it's also mentioned Pirsha Mishnah and Avod Zarah, as a remez, a hint, uh, I don't know how you translate remez exactly, what exactly it means, to the Tumat Avodah even though Tumat Avodah is Midar Banan, we have a Remezah for it with Yaakov Avinu. So here, and this is basically the Psikta, that it's Avodah Also, what's interesting in the Psikta is that we have not, not only like a sort of approximation of Hilchot Tumah, we have, you know, really down to the details. If it was made, we would be stuck, because we would need Efer para. Assuming Yaakov didn't make Paraduma, I don't know. But 
so he, he uses really a formalistic thing, but he says, don't worry, because it's only Tumata Vodazara, which you can get rid of with uh, Tvila. Um, so that's also interesting that he seems to take Tumat Meitir, uh, Tumata Vodazara, he seems to take it straight Tuma with some particular details which uh, definitely imply that he was Shomer and Tuma and Tara, Yaakov Avina. Here we have um, Kationa, it's a Tirgum of Tirgum Yonatan. You know, sort of like, you know, I know people used to try and read Unculus who get stuck with Lee. Look at the psukim to understand what Unculus meant. So here also, it's the Hebrew of. Uh, okay, okay, but yeah, but it's uh, in the other Tirgumim. There's also Perushim. Here also we have. Uh, there's uh, actually more Perush here than we have in Unculus. But let's read it together. Get rid of the Avodazara. Shalakachtu mebeit elileishchem. You also understand that they stole them from Shchem. So here it's also straight Tumah, but it's Tumah because of mate. What? Goyim are, according to everyone, Goyim are Matami Bamaga, and that's by Mechemet Midian, Midian, they're also commanded to, uh, to become Tahar. There is an argument whether uh, whether Nakam is Matan Ba'ohel. A mate Yisrael is Matan Ba'ohel. There we have a giant Machloket Yishonim. There's even a, a question about Psak, uh, whether um, whether Goyim is Matan Ba'ohel or not. But they're definitely Matan Ba'maga. Okay. So now, let's look back at the Pasuk, Psukim, and Rashi, who, who avoided Tumah, did so, had reasons for it. Rashi realized the possibility of Tumah, but there there are problems with this, the interpretation of the Psikta and the Targum. In Midian, it says, only those people that touched the mate or killed the mate. Here, it says, Yaakov seems to be saying to everybody, why, just Shimon and Levi were there, ostensibly some, not everyone went to war, maybe all of them stole things afterwards, it's hard to know, but in Midian it says those that killed, those who were involved in the war, have to become Tahor, the other people not. Here it says, he tells everyone, Vihitaharu. Might not be so indicative, it's real, it's quite a bit shorter, but it's certainly somewhat of a problem. Switching clothes, but not kibos. Rashi takes that to mean because the clothes themselves are asur. The clothes become asur. The clothes become a symbol of avodazara, which you know you should throw out. If they're just tamei, what should you do? You should do kibos. Why do you have to do hechlifu? Uh, the now those, those are general arguments against tuma in general. Now the two suggestions, as we mentioned, one was avodazara. And one was made. The problem of Odazar is the Tum is just the Rabbanan. So it's odd that Yaakov is doing Tumma de Rabbanan. If it's from corpses, we know we have the problem of Paraduma. We know that's the problem that the sector raised, raised in that possibility. So there's problems. There's problems. What is the maskana of this uh, analysis? We have different dayot between Rashi and different Medrashim in the Targum. And each of them are, they're not crazy in the Psukim. The application of Tumma seems to be somewhat problematic. Okay, so this is what, that, that's sort of what we have. So it's basically to, to sum up, there are elements similar to Tumma, but not quite. So it's debatable, and that's why the Mepharshim debated, because from the Psukim it's not clear, and I tried to put out the different arguments that each of them would make. There's another time that we have something similar. Here we have a Kibbutz Malot, and that is the, pre- pre- excuse me, the preparation for Har Sinai. V'yomer Adonai al-Moshe, Lecha la'am v'kidashtam hayom v'machar v'chibsu simlotam. So 
So in the original, original Tzivoy, it doesn't, it, it, it mentions Kiddashtem, it mentions Kibbutz Malot. The way Moshe's Mitzavi, he says Kiddush, right? And Kibbutz, and he adds in this other thing, for three days don't, uh, uh, don't have uh, sexual relations. What is this? Again, is this Toma? Is this kind of a preparation? The phrase is Vikidashtem. It's even, this is even a more oblique phrase than what Yaakov Avinu said. Vihitaharu. There's some elements that are similar. Uh, the, the, uh, he says, Lav. He's, Yaakov is preparing for, uh, revelation like, revelation like Harsinai. So there's that similarity. Here it says Vikidashtem. Maybe you would say Vikidashem is, is better, you know, is more. Vitaru is sort of neutral, you know, you have to be ready, you can't be Tameh. Kidashem is more important. Maybe Arshinai is more important than just to be Makrif. Uh, I mean, not probably, it is more important. So perhaps it requires a higher level. So maybe Vikida, it didn't mention Vitaru because that's obvious. Kidusha is, is a step further. So maybe Tara is implied from Tumah. You know, maybe. You know, it's possible, but it's certainly not. It's not certain. Here we have kibbutz smalot. We do not have hachlafat smalot. Kibbutz might be related to tuma, although it's not mentioned either. About marital relations, one could say, you know, that's you know, part of being prepared emotionally and spiritually for Har Sinai is that relations shouldn't be. Uh, shouldn't be carried on. Um, Chazal do see this in terms of Tumah, and Chazal really get into really very, very technical details. We won't get it now about Poleta Tshichvat Zerah, that they learn from this Pasuk, and really, really formal halachot of Tshichvat Zerah are really learned from this uh, from this Parsha. So Chazal definitely saw the Prisha Meisha as as a Tumah issue, not as an emotional, spiritual uh, preparation. Uh, but the Psukim are ambiguous on that. So here too, for the Mamad Har Sinai, I can't say it's not there, it's not, doesn't hit you in the face. You know, it could be there, it might not be there, it's somewhat debatable. I think in Pshutoshal Mikra it's very, very oblique. In Chazal it's a little bit stronger. Okay, that's sort of the microd. Here we have another medrash that's very interesting. Maybe I should do the next one first. The general... Oh, oh no, okay. Um, in general, Tumantar is only for Mikdash and Kodashov. The Kuzari makes this comment, and it's in the Rambam. The only influence, certainly we write the for Tumantahara, is only for Truma, for Mikdash, for Achilat Kodesh, for Masusheni, for things that have Kedusha. For someone regular in their house, it's, 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 irrele- it's almost irrelevant. There is no, uh, there is no binding of, or there's no influence of Dine Tumantara for someone that's eating Chulin. There was a very, very broad minhag in the time of Chazal, which I don't quite grasp exactly why as much of time and effort I've put in trying to figure it out of eating chulen b'tahara. Here this thing takes also a midrashic influence. Avram Avinu ochel chulav b'tahara. Ochel chulav b'tahara haya oto hayam pirsanida. Abraham ate only tar food and maybe also when he himself was far. And that day, Sarah was Tameh. Um, and here is the, also this Medrash. This is probably the only marker for eating Chulun B'tara. Let's read it. V'it Kadishtem V'hitem Kedoshim. You should make yourselves Kadosh. You should be Kadosh. Mikan Haya Rabbi Rabban Gamliel Ochel Chulun B'tara. Amru Lo L'Kohanim B'Vad Netna Kedusha. It's not only the Kohanim that have this monopoly in Kedusha, 
אלא לכהנים ולאלוויים ולישראל כולן. שנאמר וידבר השם, דבר על עדת בני ישראל ואמרת אליהם קדושים תהיו. So here there is, there is a specific drasha. Now, a careful reading sees that it's really not a chiyuv. What does it say? Michein haya rabban gamliel ochel chulun b'tarah. He doesn't say, Mikan chayav adam lechol chulav b'tarah. Rabban gamliel was ochel chulun b'tarah. Now, I think this notion of achilat chulun b'tarah is important for two reasons. Okay, let me, let's read this Rambam. All that is written in the Torah and the sages about Tuman Tara only applies to the Mikdash, Trumot in Maser Sheni. But as far as eating regular food, Ochel Chulen, that's how I translate it, there is no prohibition at all. So there is no Tzivoy of eating food, that's Tahar. I think this notion of Ochel Chulen B'Tara probably emanates from some kind of notion. If the Torah says Tumah is filth, and affects Trumah and Kodesh, and you can't go into the Mikdash, if someone wants to lead, like Rabban Gamliel, a life of Kedushah, what should he do? Not, not, not eat Tameh foods. And that's why this uh, behavior is attributed to Avraham. Abraham understands keeping food to heart. It's understandable if, if, if Tumah is filth. If Tumah is some kind of halachic construct to inculcate us with certain um, uh, with certain behaviors or with certain uh, values, you know who know you know wh- when the Torah told me to do it, I'll do it. But the Torah didn't tell me to do it. Why should I? Look for ways to expand it. And here also, Rabbi Gamaliel says, Tuma'ah is related to Kedusha. We have to be Kadosh. Uh, so I think both the notion of Achilat Chulun B'Tahara and proposing it as, there are other ways to explain it, not really good ways, but this isn't a really good way either. But if I understand Achilat Chulun B'Tahara as a kind of a gateway to Kedusha, I think there's an implication that Tumah is filth, is, is metaphysical filth. Um, there might be other ways which we won't get into, and that's why it's ascribed to Avraham and to Rabban Gamliel, people that are you know, looking for Kedusha. I won't uh, expand incredibly, but how incredibly difficult this was to do. I mean, just incredibly difficult. Um, there's this one really interesting story in the Kamsa Bar Kamsa, how um, during the siege of Yushalayim, they brought one of some Zetim to Tamidei Beit Shammai. We'll get into the details. There's some Zetim that are Tamei for Beit, that are Tahar for Beit Hillel and Tamei for Beit Shammai. So when they brought in this, these Zetim through the siege, a guy, <laughs> he could have been killed, right? He's smuggling through the Roman line to bring this Tamid Beit Shammai Zaytim, and he looks at him and he says, "Ani eni ochel Zaytim." This doesn't have the right hechsha. This is Beit Hillel's hechsha, not Beit Shammai's hechsha. Thanks, but no thanks. I'll skip them. I'll skip food for today, which I assume that's what he meant. But in, even in general, life to life. It's just incredible. It's not. We, they didn't have buildings like we have. They lived with animals in the yard. They had dirt floors. There were rats everywhere. Rats died in the tunnel. Every time a rat died in the tunnel, you had to cut it open and make a new one. Can you imagine? Probably happened, uh, you know, a few times a year that they had to destroy their ovens. They had to throw out all the klicheres. It's just incredible. Never mind all the food. And now, you know, whatever. Some a kid burns food, you throw it out. The historians think that in those days, people live, most people didn't have enough food to eat. Most people were hungry all the time. There just wasn't enough food. And then something becomes tamay to throw it out. And not because it's really asur, but because I want to become kadash. Torah didn't obligate me, but I'm going to make it up myself. Just the Mesirat Nefesh is, I, I just find incredible. Anyhow, but back to our things. So how, how do we 
so that's in the Yachilat Chuan Betara. An amazing Chumra that Klal Yisrael used to keep, that uh, Chaverim would keep. Um, and I think it's under certain, cons- probably under certain consumption that Tumah is, uh, food that's Tameh is filthy. Okay, so just so let's go back all, all the proofs that we have to move before Har Sinai. So one, one proof is that the term Tuma does not appear in Bereshit as Tameh. Okay, at the end. Okay, okay. Uh, the, the term Tuma does not appear in Bereshit, except for Dina, which isn't obviously not Tuma in the way we mean. What Tuma rules apply? We have the Hitarut after Shechem. The argument against that, Rashi doesn't accept that. It says it's told destroying idols. It's Hitarut like Rabbi Nubachaya from Tshuva uh, Frechet. Uh, and we we showed how in the psukim both opinions are reasonable, okay? Uh, and we had two other opinions, the Medrash and the and the Targum, which uh, said it was real tuma. In the preparation for our Sinai, we also have it. We don't real. It's real there. It's it's really vihit kadashu. It's not vihitaru. Maybe one is includes the other. Kiddush Kedushar needs it. It's, it might be there if you're looking for it. If you want to deny it, it's not there. Then we have the Medrash about uh, Avram Eitchul and Betara, and the whole notion, and then we expand a little bit, whole notion of Eitchul and Betara. But we do have to admit what the Rambam says, that it's really not a central thing. That Medrash I quoted is it's a little bit off the beaten path. As far as I know, it's only quoted once in Yishan Mentosis. I don't think that Medrash is known to the Rambam. And it's not, it's not widely quoted. It really isn't widely quoted. It's quoted once in a, a Tosis in Chulin. So it's not, you know, it's not on the, it's not in the central thing. So even that Medrash is, but the Kaddishtem is very interesting. I think it, it assumes that. But what, to, to pose that as the position of Chazal, and that's why you're eating Chulun Batara, it's a bit of a stretch. It's hard to know exactly why. But that, that is a makor for it. Okay? Would you rather wait? Yeah, I'll give, we'll give five minutes in the end. Okay. okay. Uh, here I, I also have the original uh, in Hebrew for, for people that are more comfortable, whatever, whatever you like. I tried to sort of translate it to keep the phrase. It's a very, it's a very poetic medrash and very interesting. Okay, a gentle asks Rabbi Yochan ben Zakkai. These acts that you Jews perform as sorcery. You bring a cow, the paraduma, burn it, grind the ashes, add water, sprinkle through drops on someone that touched the corpse in the clear. You are purified. It's preposterous. Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai replied, what do you do to a man who is delirious or possessed? It's not Possessed. So, so the Gentile replied, we bring incest, we burn it, we pour water on it for smoke, and then the demons run away. Rabbi Yochan ben Zak says, do you hear what you're saying? That is exactly what you are doing. And he quotes his pasuk in, in Zechariah about Ruach HaTumah. Okay, after the Gentile left, the student said, okay, you got rid of the guy with that Baba Mises. So the guy is stupid enough to believe that Narishkite. Well, what are we going to tell us? It's absurd. What, what is the Tarat para? So he answers, please, b'chayechem, it, uh, this was a hard thing for us to translate. It sometimes means a shvua. But a corpse does not pollute, nor does water cleanse, but God has decreed and he has commanded and we bind by his commandments. This sounds very, very clearly as a statement, more of a rational statement, Rabbi Yochum ben Zaka is saying, Tumid doesn't exist. God told us we have to act a certain way. Now, it's very interesting, and this is also what has, we have a lot of Medrashim, we're going to deal with another one in a sec, momentarily, about Paraduma being a wondrous, anomalous, paradoxical kind of Tumah. That was the original question. But what was Rabbi Yochan ben Zakkai's answer? His answer also was, Lo hamet mitameh. 
Not only is the paraduma inexplicable, Tumatmate itself is inexplicable. Tumatmate, the Kuzari thought, was the, he tried to explain all of Tuma as related to Tumatmate, because that's the most understandable one. Everyone knows the stench from a mate. Everyone knows how one feels when he comes back with contact with the dead. And here too, in Rebbechim today, it's not only Paraduma, that's a chok. What else is a chok? What else is a gzera gazarati? V'iyata roshay la'avor al gzerati? All tuma. Okay? All even mate. And I think mate, he's using that as the linchpin of tuma, as the Kuzari understood uh, mate as the linchpin of tuma. And here we have a really interesting halachic, strictly halachic discussion. We won't get into details for those that know the halachot, you'll appreciate it more. But I know everyone can look it up. There's, you can be, you can make a nether from objects. You make objects aser. I can make a table aser or a mikvah aser if I own it. What happens if someone was no different than mikvah? Can you be tovil in it? So we have this rule, mitzvot lav lehanot nitnu. Bimikayim a mitzvah is not called hana'ah. So if I say the shofar, I'm being oser hana'ah from a shofar, then I can blow it. Because why? Ki mitzvah is not hana'ah. Hana'ah means physical gratification or gratification. So if I, if I'm not from, from the shofar, I can't, I can't blow it for music. But to be Yotze, I can, because being Yotze mitzvah is not called Anna. We'll get into why, but okay, let's see more. So, so then Rabbi Yezid says, hey, wait, so why can you be Tovel? Okay, it's a mitzvah to be Tovel, but I'm getting rid of this physical pollution, right? As the Kuzari says, I'll be able to do pearls now. I'll be able to drink wine and it won't have a foul taste. So why is it different than bathing? Because obviously bathing would be awesome. If I was no dirt enough from America, I couldn't wash. So I'm getting rid of this metaphysical filth. Why isn't that called hana? So here he says, apparently the water itself does not cleanse like other physical cause and effect. As the Medjush has stated, he quotes our Medjush, Rabbi Yochan ben Zakkai, lo meit mitame, lo mai mitarim, uh, so here also the Avnei I mean I, I think it's pretty I don't think it's ambiguous but here there's an interesting uh, application of the Avnei to purely halachic discussion right, I told you I wasn't going to be but all right, you won't tell anyone okay here we have another very interesting Madrash which we have a shortened version in the Gemara Nida Daftat um, who can create tar from Tameh? Mitain tahor mitameh. It's a it's a passage in Yov. Only one, lo echad, meaning God, like Avra, like Abraham from Terach, Mordechai from Shimi, the world to come from this world. Who can command such? Who can decree such? Only the special one, Almighty God. Then the then the Madrash uh, expands on it. How is God so wondrous? If a small lesion appears, a leper is tameh. But when it spreads all over, it is tahar. So it's anomalous. Why? If a mitzara sees a negakigris, a small thing on his body, he's tameh. What happens when it spreads on all his body? It's tahar. How could, why is that going to be? The more, the more, more of this nega that he has, he should be more tahar. It's amazing. Who has decreed us, who's commanded, and the Medrash goes on and delineates other things which are anomalous about Tuma. One of them is by Para, which is also uh, what's anomalous about Para is that Para is on the one hand used to take away, to purify Tamei Mate, but if one touches the water, not in the context of Hazah, he becomes Tamei. And also those preparing the, the Mayim, people who burn the para, very interesting halacha, they also become Tameh. In fact, they don't even have to touch the para. If someone throws a log onto the pyre, 
of the paraduma is also becoming tamay. Okay, so on the one hand, the paraduma is mitaher, on the other hand, it's tamay. How could that be? Medrash says, mitzivakein, migazarkein, lorachad, only God. Okay, here we have a, uh, uh, another, uh, it's, a, it's a related medrash. Who can create tar from Tamei only one? Mi iten tar mi Tamei lo echad. Rabbi Yochanan explained this is semen, which is Tamei, and the person is created from Tahar. Now, what's interesting about these two midrashim, that some of these influences are real. In other words, let's go look at the beginning one. What is mentioned in the medrash? Avram Tarach, right? I mean, Avram did come from Tarach. In other words, in the spiritual, the, here the Medrash is interweaving two different meanings of the word Tahar and Tameh. One being spiritual elevation, Avraham Terach, and second of all, Tameh, what we mean from Seder Taharot. Very interesting mix. There's even one case where the word means both things. And that's in Nida. When I say Shikhvatzer is Tameh, and a person created from it is Tahar, it's using Tameh and Tahar in both ways. Shikhvatzer is has formal Tamah, but those are disgusting. And a person can be Tahar, but he's also Kadosh. Means Tahar in a spiritual ethical sense. A tzaddik can come from Tipas Rucha. Not only can he come, but all the tzaddikim have come from Tipas Rucha. So here the Medrash is interweaving the spiritual and the Tameh. That interweaving, that comparison also, I think, tells me something about Tumah. That we're talking about metaphysical pollution. In addition, what I think means, these things happen. The Medrash here is saying it's anomalous. It's not saying that it doesn't exist. Rabbi Yochan ben Zake says it doesn't exist. It's just an arbitrary decision by God. If it's an arbitrary decision by God, it's, it's no reason to say God is great because, you know, he made up these rules which are paradoxical. I mean, what's the greatness of that? Someone makes these really hard rules, you know. Like, it's like, so what? So they're contradictory. I mean, that shows that he... No, he created a world that that is true. That the spiritual can have surprises. That the spiritual and the metaphysical works in anomalous ways, ways that are difficult for people to understand. That is what this Midrash is saying. But I think it's really, really different than Rabbi Yochan ben Zakkai's approach. Rabbi Yochan ben Zakkai says, the, the whole thing is a game. The whole thing doesn't exist. Kodesh told us to do that for certain reasons. Why? We'll, we'll talk to in a, in a second. But it doesn't really exist. Here it's saying, oh, it does exist. What about the paradoxes? What, the, what about the anomalies? I, I know Tyrus is really hard. You really have to work on it to, to learn it. It's really hard. It, it is really hard. But that's what the Medrash is saying. Tyrus is really hard, but it's amazing, which it also is. So, so it's both hard and amazing, and that's the wondrous part of Akadosh Baruch, who just like spiritual life sometimes has surprises. Avram can come from Tarach. Mordechai from Shimi, Olam Habam, Olam Haza. We can get incredible spiritual gains from positions that seem uh, untenable and 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 spiritually corrupt. Here I'd like to. So here I think what's really interesting is that the same phrase, if my interpretation is right, the same catchphrase, Chukach Hakakti Gazarti is not only used in different ways, it's used in opposite ways by these two midrashim, which I think is really fascinating. So Rabbi Yochim ben Zaki, the way I see it means it's a halakha construct. There's two midrashim, the Gemara Nida and the Bamid Baraba, I think says, says precisely reverse. Here's another midrash which I think is really interesting. Uh, I have it in Hebrew. Who is the wisest in his Moses? And it is he who knows the secrets. Rabbi Shua said, for every object that God mentioned, Moshe would say it's Tumantara. 
God said, Mitzara and Moshe said, Say your love and code them lebaharis tame. Let's say it's of tame. You knew all you knew all the halachas and you knew the Torah. Kajbachu said zav and he said, oh, you don't need mikvah, you need a mayim chayim, you need mayan, and you need a carbon. Right? He got everything right. He knew everything intuitively. We're going to analyze what that means that he knew it before God told him. Interesting. When they got to Amor, that's the parash of Tamatmeit. Moshe said, Rabban Shalolam. Sorry, I turned that. Rabban What is, could be the tar for the dead? And he was not answered. And then, and then God didn't answer him. And it has this very interesting phrase. I trans, translated, I once used this bond, Vinaflu Panav. No, no, not a real thing. One thing I'd just like to, just to focus on this, it's not really, doesn't really influence the Shia, but I think it's really interesting. Why not Flupanov? What was, what was so disheartening about it? That Moshe didn't know part of it. No one else figured out, you know, I was, whatever, I wasn't that, that, that frustrated when I couldn't figure out Parai. I mean, you know, whatever, you know, it's something you live with, you know. So you have disappointments like, not going to Eretz Israel, that's disappointing. Not knowing how Paraduma works. I mean, I don't know, whatever. Uh, so it's two possible. One possible is that he didn't understand. He knew everything else. He thought he, you know, he sort of grasped the will of God perfectly, that he could know all the Tumas and Tars. And there's one thing that he doesn't know. It shows, you know, like Hareni Nakvodacha, he like doesn't, if you don't get it all, like you don't get it at all. Something like that. That's one possibility. The other possibility, which I think is interesting and relates to what I talked about before, I think he's sort of depressed by the notion that there might be Tumu without Tahara. That you can, can sort of emotionally and spiritually be caught in a dead end that, and he, I think he views one Tumu not only as this, but as a kind of a parable for spiritual strivings. And he thinks this might be a parable that you, maybe you could get stuck. Okay, but then the Medrash goes, goes on, which uh, gives some hope for us. When they reached the passage of Paraduma, God said, this is a solution for the tomb of the dead. So he says, this is the answer to your question. Then Moshe said, are you kidding me? This is Tahara? What, what is this? Take a cow outside. You what, what do you do? What is this? Basically, whose question is this? The question that the guy asked Rabbi Yochan ben Zakkai. And Tamide Rabbi Yochan ben Zakkai ask Rabbi Yochan ben Zakkai. So Moshe asks HaKadosh Baruch this question. And God replies, Chok HaKati, Gzera Gazarti, Ve'enko Beria She'yachol Amod Gzerati. Just as an aside, very often Medrashim, which seem to be totally, like not related to the Pshat, some, some of them are interesting, some of them are fantastic. Uh, this is a very, certainly very interesting, but this is somehow also related to Pshuto Shemikra. What is the question that the Medrash is answering? Where is the Parsha Paraduma? Bamidbar. Well, where's the rest of Tumantara? Vayikra. Why? Why is it here? That's what the Medrash is trying to answer with this story. So very interesting. The Medrash takes a very, very that very, very Pshuto Shamikra builds this whole incredible story to explain it. But it's basically saying Paraduma is different than all the other Taharot that exist. It's different. And being so different, it's put in a different safer, it's a different place. It's not the other Tumat and Tarot. Tarot is an is an antidote to the Tumat. It's a reversal of it. Someone has blood on them, someone has flows to the Tovel and the Mikvah. Someone has a lot of flows who goes to Mayan. He's a Mitzar at the bottom, so you, you cut out the Tzarat and you break the house. That's sort of a reversal of what happened. What is Paraduma? That's what Moshe doesn't understand. And therefore it's in a different place. This is not a Tara in the same sense of reversal. This is a Tara which is, who knows? Who knows? God knows. We don't know. And Moshe doesn't know either. So I think the placement and this answer is a very, really fundamental answer. It's not only an answer of, oh, this really incredible story happened, which is an, incred- it is an, an incredible story, 
But it's also saying something about the paraduma. The Moshe says, paraduma is a tower which I couldn't figure it out. And that being said, it's not something endemic to the Tumah. It's something different. And therefore it belongs in a different place. That's what the Medrash is saying. But what, okay. Now as far as what we were talking about before, what does this Medrash hold about spiritual pollution? I think when I say, if I say that just God made up these incredible rules, you wouldn't think a person, no matter how smart, can you predict it? Someone likes blue. I mean, you can't predict that. Someone makes up arbitrary rules to test your obedience. So who knows what rules they're going to make up? Now, one teacher said, my grandmother used to learn in Germany, she said every teacher had their rules for how you could, how you were supposed to, where you put your pencils on the desk. So uh, could someone guess that? So they wanted to inculcate obedience, but there's no reason to be at the head of the desk on the right side. No rules. How can Moshe figure that out? I think Mo, if you say Moshe could figure out every Tum and Tahara, it means it's real. It exists. And here also, Paraduma is seen as an enigma, not like Rabbi Yochan Menzaki says. Rabbi Yochan Menzaki says, you're bothered about Paraduma? Leave me alone. None of them exists. Forget about it. So if none of them exists, oh, God told you to do a par. You want to tefillah? The Rambam says, a mikvah, won't tell you, you know, some of the mikvahs are dirty. Like now, now it's a little bit better. In the olden days, the mikvahs used to be filthy. So, so that makes you clean. You get cleaner if, if, you, if you take a hot shower. So the Rambam said, well, you're going to have a mikvah that's, that's full of mud. And it's still metah, it's a tar. It's not, so, that Rabbi Yochaman Zaki says the whole thing doesn't exist. Here the Madras seems to be delineating, say, Paraduma is anomalous. But most of them I can figure out, which seems to say it's real. I think. Um, so here I think also, uh, so this is what I say is the difference between this Medrash of Moshe and the other Medrash of Rabbi Yochan ben Zakkai. His answer was Lome Mes Metame, and really no Tumat exists as a metaphysical thing. Here Tum in general is understandable, and in fact Moshe figured it out himself. But the Paradum is an anomaly that is impossible to understand. Uh, as far as possible reasons for Tumma, even if it doesn't exist here, we have a few explanations of the Rambam, in addition to what I mentioned the Kuzari. One is to dis- distance oneself from filth and disgusting stuff. One is to separate and to, uh, to uh, value the Mikdash, as we mentioned, most of them for the Mikdash. Tameh can't go into Mikdash, so before you go into Mikdash, you have to be careful not to step on things, not to talk things. And the two other things, he talks in the historical sense to credit existing practices and even to sort of make it easier. But apparently, Tumantara, he thought Tumantara was something that um, uh, those, those uh, that was popular in the ancient world. Okay, so just for review, what we talked about. So we have the Kuzari talks about the physical effects of Tumma. Oops, sorry. Uh, so we had the Kuzari talks about the physical effects of Tumma. We had the Parsha and, uh, and Vayishlach. Uh, we had the Parsha and Vayishlach about Hitaharu after the Muhammad Shem. Um, and there we came to contradictory explanations and we saw how each explanation was really rooted in the Psukim. We had the Hitkachut Lufne Har Sinai, Kibush Malot, Hitkachut, is that Tumma, is that not Tumma? Chazal Sword is Tumma from the Psukim itself, it's really not clear, you could go both ways. Then we talked about famous Madrash Avram Avinu Ochel Chulav Batahara. We, and we talk a little bit about the notion of Chulim B'tarah, that it's an expansion that's really not commanded, that's over and above. So that seems to imply that there is some kind of uh, uh, a metaphysical pollution. Then we dealt with uh, two Midrashim, which have the same punchline, but I think from the close reading of the Midrashim, the punchline means uh, it, uh, means opposite things. Interestingly enough, Rabbi Yochan ben Zake basically saying, the Tumma doesn't exist, Lomait Matamev Lomai Matarim. Then we have other Midrashim that say Tumma does exist, but it's really hard to figure out the rules. It's anomalous, paradoxical. 
but it, I think it does exist, and that's with Moshe and and the other Medrash. Okay. Any questions? Okay. okay thank you.